0: Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit AliveChurchOC.org or DerekDunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or DerekDunnOC. Uh, t- this morning, the title of my message is Divine Alignment. So I'll say Divine Alignment. Uh, Is God is moving. We need to align with what God is moving. And everything that God does is based on a principle, a pattern in his word. If we can find that pattern, we can find that principle, understand it, and begin to apply it, God's not a respecter of persons. It will work for us also. That's why God, would, Jesus would always preach. He said, whosoever will. So what do you say? It's open for everyone. He desires all will be saved, but what's the pattern? You got to believe in your heart that he died, that he rose from the dead on the third day, he sent to heaven, he's coming again. Confess with your mouth and you'll get saved. Anybody can do that. Well, I don't want to do that. I want to do that through, you know, the rosary. You're not going to get saved through the rosary. Well, I want to do that through some other God. You're not going to get it. Jesus says, I'm the only way. There's one way. That's the pattern. That's the principle. Well, people don't like that. That's offensive. I'm sorry. It's called Truth. And so we've got to be lovers of the truth. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about these last days we're living in, and I believe we're living in the last days. Do you? It yes. says so 2 Timothy 3, and verse 1, it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. So how many believe we're living in the last days? Come on, if you turn on the news, if you look at what's going on, it's all there. But the problem with that is not, as we look at that, we many times look at the world and say we're living in the last days, but we miss out on verse eight. He's not just talking about the world, He's talking about the church. In yeah. verse 8, he says, In having a form of godliness, but denying the power, and from such, turn away. We shouldn't be shocked with the world. Some Christians are always condemning sinners. Jesus never condemned sinners. He, he, he made a way for them to, to, to come out of their sin. But what did Jesus do? He condemned the, those that said they were righteous, but they weren't. Are you here? Jesus loved the sinner because he said they're like sheep without a shepherd. But the religious people are the ones that murdered him. The religious people are the ones who fought him all the time. The ones who said, I'm the man of God. I'm the woman of God. I'm a following God. God stood in front of them and they killed him. They persecuted him. Why? Because they were caught up in the religiosity of the temple and, and the church work and they didn't have the heart for God. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. You clean the outside, but inside you're like filled with dead man's bones. Read the Bible. I mean, some of the, we, we skip over those in church because we just want to have the nice Jesus that just had the little children come and held the lambs. But Jesus didn't mess around. I mean, Jesus was strong to confront religiosity. So the Bible says in the last day, what will happen? There'll be the church, these things seep into the church. Where we have a form of God, we go through things, we can say, we, we, we serve God, we can worship, we can clap our hands, we can do all the religious things. But what happens? We have a form, but there's no power working in our lives. What's the power? It's the power to transform our lives. Pastor Susan spoke two weeks ago about the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing how many people, we have this whole crazy doctrine going around called cessationism which says the Holy Spirit came and he was there with the early church and the apostles, but the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit faded out with the apostles. But that's contrary to Scripture because the Scripture says, Jesus said the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you and all generations to come. Yes. Why did the Holy Spirit come? Because Jesus said, I don't want to leave you as orphans. You need another, that means someone like me, that can be your paracletos, can be your advocate, that will take the things that are mine and give them to you, John chapter 4. And then now we say, well, God just blessed and loved the early church, but for us, we're all orphans, hiding out in the four walls of our church bunkers, hoping Jesus will come back soon. That's contrary to scriptures. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointing me. We're going to look at that. Because we, we need his power, we need to be dependent on him. If not, we have a power failure in the church. Religion is not going to save people. Yes. If religion and just having a building and going through our motions and our 45-minute seeker-sensitive service, then we need to seek and save the lost. But guess what? We're going to have church until Jesus shows up. Yes. We don't need to waste time, but what we can make we want to make the sinner so comfortable that God's no comfortable in, church, no longer comfortable in church. Come on. Yeah. Let's come in. let's go. So we, we you know, people's tension spans are like, we want to do this. Our youth groups are like rock concerts and we just have a lot of hype and excitement and everyone's sleeping around, living in sin. They're just like everybody else. We have the form, but it's not there. People go to church. Why? All the pretty girls are in church. Say amen. Come on. That was a great, for, for all the single ladies, all the single ladies. So got, I've had people come and say, like, they can't let your wife because there's good looking girls in your church. Yes, but we don't like wolves. Come Don't be coming to church looking for a wife or a husband. You can find one, but be looking for Jesus <laughs> and then find one. Come on. Are you here? But some people, they go around from church to church, and as pastors we meet sometimes, like, yeah, we have this guy, they're like, oh, he came to my church. They're making the rounds. We've had people write to us on, you know, on our website. Ariana gets the, gets the emails and write in and say, hey, do you guys have a place uh, where singles can? I'm looking for a wife. I'm like, but what a, that becomes the church. But the church is to be a place where what we're encountering Jesus, where the word is being taught, where we're being discipled. Yeah. Jesus said, go get them saved, preach the gospel, disciple them, teach them my ways. And what? Raise them up, train them so they can go out and lay hands on the sick. They can go cast out devils. They can be going preaching. And what? We're multiplying what God's doing in the upper room. Are you here? That's the church. And it hasn't stopped. God's plan hasn't changed. Those were his last words. And when he comes back, that's what he's looking for, a glorified church. Another thing about the last days, the Bible says the last days will be like the days of Noah. Book of Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking here. In verse 37, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. So what's it saying? In the days of Noah, what was it? It was people partying. There was drunkenness. There's all sin going on. It's not talking about people getting married, getting married and getting married again, because they had multiple wives back then. And it was it was it was perversion. It was promiscuity that was happening. On why did God destroy the earth? It was such wickedness. But Noah was in God. Noah didn't experience the destruction. Did he go through the flood? Yes, he did. But there was something about Noah. We call it Noah's Ark. (laughs) Because when you're following God, even though there's perilous times that we're going through, there's an ark of protection that God has ordained that will help us to see through and will overcome. Noah experienced the flood, but he built an ark and there was protection. God has that protection for us. In the days of Noah, what happens? We see that people hated God's wisdom. No one listened to Noah, they thought he was a crazy man. In the days of Noah, people didn't want to listen. In the days of Noah, they were too busy with their own lives. The devil can't destroy us if we're in Christ, so what does he try to do? Get us too busy he tries to get us out of the ark he tries to get us in the world we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world are you here we need to function but but we need to be in Christ noah prepared himself for the coming flood are we prepared noah wanted to save his family are we wanting to save our family we got to build an ark And what is the ark that God's building? Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The word church there is the word ecclesia. It's the assembling together of God's people. So where do we find protection of what's happening in the world? In the church. The church is the place of protection. Because guess what? We can come like this morning and what happened? We can encounter God and weights lift off of us. Some of you had some baggage in here. Don't pick it up on the way out, leave it come on. Some of us, you know, we're dealing with thoughts. We're dealing with things. We're feeling overwhelmed. We're physical sickness, all that. When we come in God, what happens? We transact with heaven. Heaven invades earth. That's the church. Well, I can worship God at home. It's different. He said, wherever two or three are gathered, I'm there. Now, I'm not saying we can't have, We have, you know, wherever two or three of us are gathered, that's the church. It's not just this building. This building, we don't own it. We're going to have another building. Don't get attached to this building because we're not going to be here forever. But whether we come together with, like in precious faith, pursuing God, the presence of God was. The early church was birthed in the upper room. The revival happened outside the four walls of church. Reformation happens. What is reformation? We need reformation. We want to change our world, right? Well, don't just pray for revival. Revival ain't for the world. The revival's for the church. And as we get revived, we go out of the upper room in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we start bringing reformation. How? By speaking against error. By speaking truth like Noah did. By inviting people to come into Christ. Christ is the ark. How do we protect ourselves from the storm? There are storms waging in the world. Everywhere I go in the world, there's an anti-American, uh, anti-American uh, attitudes. People are going more pro towards other nations. They're looking, uh, going, moving away from the U.S. dollar. All that. the world is set up. What does the Bible say? This system's going to fall one day. Don't get attached to U.S. dollars. It's going to fall. Will it be crypto? I don't know. Maybe. But what does the Bible say? The world systems are going to fall. The nations will come crashing down. And someone will come up and unite the nations. It will be the end of Christ. There will be a one-word currency. And it will be difficult for you to transact if you follow Jesus. Well, pastor, I don't like that. I don't believe that. I'm sorry. I didn't write the story. He did. Thousands of years ago. But that's the Bible. Now, we're still going to occupy. We're going to still conquer. But we got to be in Christ. We gotta be in the place of protection. Yeah. How are we in the ark? Be in the church. How are you in the ark? Be in the word. Amen. Because the word is life, the word is truth. Yeah. We can't just preach the gospels. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is good. He loves you. He died for you. Get saved. Yes, now what? Right. Some churches every week, everyone gets saved all over again. Right. That s- salvation is wonderful. It's the greatest miracle. I'm not knocking it. Come on, we've all been saved. Amen. But what are you saved for? Don't just focus on salvation. The disciples were saved. They they saw Jesus. He breathed the breath of God. And they became alive. They were now in fellowship with God. But Jesus said, wait, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church was birthed. They needed to be in the ark. So the church is the ark. The word is the ark. Our family is an ark. What's the devil attacking right now? You look. Family is under attack like never before. You've seen the, the, the rise of divorce, the rise of illegitimate pregnancies, all of that. What makes us a man? Not that we can impregnate a woman. Come on, dogs do that. Not women, but other. Are you here? What makes us different? That we are willing to take responsibility. We're willing to lead. We're willing to follow God's plan. Do we make mistakes? Yes, but then take responsibility. Are you here? Stuff happens. There's no condemnation, but we've got to get in the ark. Why? If not, there's no protection. And I'm not trying to stereotype. I know there's specific situations. I so don't think, well, what about that? What about that? I'm saying this is God's ideal plan. A man finds a woman, they come together, they invite God into their marriage, and the two become one, and they live life together and become more like Jesus. You've been praying, I want to become more like Jesus, that's why you have issues with your spouse. And anyone who's been married very long will tell you that, come on, we're a work in progress. Jesus is working on us. But if you don't invite Jesus in, how marriage is hard enough. I married a good woman, but it's still hard because men and women are different. I can get no amens on that. We're different. We think differently. We relate differently. We're, we're different. You know, and, and, but the diversity is not bad. It's good because it requires us to be like Christ. Well, I'm looking for the perfect woman. She doesn't exist. I'm looking for the perfect man. He doesn't exist. Follow the Proverbs 31 woman. Look for that kind of woman. Follow, follow the biblical of what a, a man is. And so God's in the beginning. He set up the plan and the purpose. He set up the order in the book of Genesis. Where what? A man finds a woman. He finds a good thing. Adam. He pulled Eve out of part of him, out of his side. And, and took part of the attribute that was God. And created her and she's to be his help me. And what are they supposed to do? Have dominion, be fruitful, multiply, raise up godly children and subdue the earth. Well, I don't know about that. Well, I'm sorry. You're not the creator. He is. (laughs) He set the plan. He set the drawing for for families. So a family is a man and a woman inviting God in to their life. That's the original plan. That's God's ideal. Two men can't make a family. Two women can't make a family. No, I'm not here. If people are struggling in the area, there's hope, there's health for people, want to help them, but we can't call something God doesn't say. I can't call a square a circle. I can't call a triangle a rectangle. Because the the science doesn't define it as that. Are you here? It's the same thing. We have compassion. I'm not I'm, we're not here to not we love people, but I don't love you if I'm not willing to tell you the truth. And we live in a day where families under attack. Now it's not just families under attack; it's gender under attack. Yes. We don't know what a man is and what a woman is. People get on educated people, and you are, so tell me what's a woman? Well, I find that off- offensive. Why is it offensive? Come on, we all went to school. I'm, I didn't plan to go here, but we are. It, why is it offensive? You don't say, we're not limiting a woman. A woman can be athletic. A woman can be a scholar. A woman can be creative. A woman can be sports. There's no limit. There's diversity in that, just like with a man. Not every man looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I dated myself. Okay, Liam Hesman. I got to change it, all right? Arnold doesn't look as good as he used to. Come on. But, 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 that's not what a man is. There's diversity, there's creating God. You say, but what's the ideal? What is God's plan? Right. We, we've got to get back to that. this confusion, I understand. And we're not here to offend people, but I'm sorry, we love you, but that's the truth. Yes. You can say you're what you want to be, but you can't pick what you want to be. Right. Are you here? Right. You can cut your hair like a poodle, but that don't make you a dog. Oh, right. Are you here? You've got to know your DNA. If they bury you in the ground, and a thousand years from now, some archaeologist digs you up, and they do a DNA test on you, that determines who you are. Are you here? And so we need to get, it's not a complicated conversation. But if we allow people to define, and I just want to be this today, I want to be that today, we have chaos And, you know, I feel, well, I'm attracted to this or I'm attracted to that. Well, you can't fault me for that because you're discriminating me. No, I'm sorry. If you're attracted to my three-year-old girl, you got a problem. And God can deliver you, but that's not acceptable. And that's where this whole thing is heading. Where man did what was right in his own side and was busy doing what they want to and didn't listen. That's the days of Noah. The Bible says it will be like the day of Sodom and Gomorrah where they were selling their children to satisfy versus protecting their children. This is where we're heading. I'm sorry, pastor. I want to hear the good news. There's good news. In this we occupy and we conquer. But we got to be in the ark. But we got to know what we're up against. we got to pay attention to what's happening. What's the art of family? As parents, watch what your kids are watching. Don't just give them an iPad. Don't give them a phone and what are they watching? Little to- Tommy's in his room and what's he doing? He's looking at porn. Are you here? He's on some blog and being targeted by algorithms putting all these crazy ideas in their, of this liberalism in their, in their minds. But they've got to be in the family where you have the, That's what's out there. It's not, you, you're not, you don't even have to be looking for it. You just Google something, something comes up. Come on, you Google man, something's going to come up. You Google woman, something's going to come up. That's the world that we live in. People are targeting our children to expose them and take away their innocence so they need to be in the art. As a parent, as a family, what are your kids looking at? Look at their friends. Who do they? Birds of a feather flock together. Who are they associating with? Well, I, I'm so proud. My kid is the, the you know, the, the successful, and all of his friends are, you know, are, are not. But they're looking for him. Guess what? Wrong companionships corrupt. So we've got to look and look, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be healing. We're not being exclusive or elitist, but, but what are the influences? That's why God gave the family and gave kids parents to protect them, to train them the ways of God, to put the values of the Word of God in them so that when they're old, they don't depart for them. Now, footnote here, I'm not saying be a controlling parent and try to keep your kids in a sanitized environment that doesn't exist. We have to allow them to, to have virtue. Innocence is not virtue. What is virtue when innocence is tested? But there's some stuff. Let the kid be a kid. Let them play with toys. Let them be, they don't need to be in fourth grade I mean, a, 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 in a preschool or in fifth uh, um, kindergarten, and learning stuff that's way beyond where they're at. Protect their innocence. Are you here? So, we gotta stay true to our faith. There was an ark of protection, and Noah protected his family. The ark is open to everyone, but not everyone's gonna wanna come into the ark. But we need to protect the ark. We need to make sure that we're true to the faith. Jesus, ultimately, He's the ark, but Jesus' idea is His church, Jesus' idea is family. Are you here? Sometimes our lives can be out of alignment. Many Christians, and we looked in in Timothy, why are they involved in these things? Because their lives are not aligned to Christ. Their lives are not aligned to being discipleship. Their lives are not aligned to the great commission, to the great commandment of loving God with all their heart, of loving people. Their lives are not aligned to seeking first the kingdom of God. And so you can, you know, be out of alignment. I remember when I, you know, first had a car, my mom handed me down the old Pontiac station wagon. It was a blue station wagon. It was not the coolest car, but it had a 450 engine in it. I mean, that thing had power. So everyone else in their little cool cars with their four-cylinder, I might not have looked cool, but come on. Oh, don't look at me. You were a kid once too. Come on. But what I realized was because that car, it, it would go, but it would get out of alignment. And I could be driving the car, and because I'm focused on the wheel, it's very tiring, but the wheel's shaking a little bit. When I would go fast, it's shaking a little bit. The car's rattling a little bit. I'm thinking it's an old car. There was nothing wrong with the car. It was out of alignment. And how do you know it's out of alignment? When you stop focusing, it goes to the right. And guess what? Your wheel, your tires start wearing wrongly. You start getting t- worn out before your time. Some Christians are like that. They can be focused, but they're so tired. They're, you know, it's, it's such effort to stay focused. The minute they let down their guard, yeah, because things are out of a line. And guess what? They're, they're wearing out easily because they're not aligned to the right thing. You can have a projector, and thank God we got our projectors here, high definition. But guess what? If the projector is out of alignment, my feet will hang off the projector screen. My head will get cut off. It looks weird. Things are out of alignment. You've got to tune it in. If it's out of alignment, it gets blurry. I'm getting a bit older. I have glasses. so I'm like, why is that so blurry? It's not out of alignment. My eyes are, so I need to put glasses on. And the glasses help to align. You know, my wife. We were joking the other day. She she has a hard time hearing sometimes, and I have a hard time seeing. So you see for me, and I'll hear for you. Okay. (laughs) But but what happens? We have things that come to bring us back into focus. How do we get realigned? We got to get back in focus. How many of you you've ever had your back out of alignment? What to do? We go to the chiropractor. We flew, and I realized, you know, I have a revelation. My body's made for business class, not for economy. <laughs> but unfortunately, I'm in economy, you know, because I want to pay that crazy price. It wasn't in our budget, and so we're there, and so we're back. And Dwayne's in economy. I'm in economy, and Stephen Bobek, our worship leader, you know, the big Ukrainian guy, he's stuck in the middle seat. And what happens? We got, I mean, you feel like a sardine, we got there after 24 hours, and what happened? My back's hurting, my neck's aching, I've got everything, I'm out of alignment. And what happened? I can still function. But when I'm functioning, there's pain. Maybe I'm limping a little bit. Maybe I'm favoring certain things because I'm out of alignment. Some believers are that way. There are things out of alignment. They're still going through the motion, but there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartache. They're not able to run the way God wants them to run because things are out of alignment. But guess what? When you go to the chiropractor, it's painful sometimes, but he goes, pop, 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 oh, oh. Why is that pain down on my leg? Because your C4 is out. Because <laughs> you got something wrong with your neck. Your atlas is off. And, and what do they do? When they pop you, it can be painful because it's, it's pushing something back into the place. It takes force because nothing goes back into alignment by itself. It takes a greater force coming in. To, to put it into place but then after that you feel great so I was there by the fourth day the first three days preaching I'm like oh I'm hurting I'm not sleeping well I'm like waking up and then, and then it was my birthday and Dwayne and Stephen said well pastor we want to bless you with a massage so I went there but those massages they don't just rub they're pushing their deep tissue they're popping stuff like oh this is out and I'm like oh but I tell you after that I slept like a baby and it was cheap too because it was Brazil <laughs> And I'm like, why didn't I do this before? Why? Because when you come into alignment and and blessing starts flowing, you're like, why didn't I do this before? What was I fighting? We're fighting the pain. We're fighting the fact that we have to be vulnerable and allow somebody to come and apply the pressure. Our connect group leader, our pastor... Someone who comes in to put that pressure there. Some people, they're like, well, I don't like this church because I feel uncomfortable. Well, if you go to church and you don't feel uncomfortable, something's wrong. Because right. I got uncomfortable when I was preparing the message. Because <laughs> God's speaking to me. And God's always working in our lives. Now, I'm not saying uncomfortable in a negative way. But what happened? The word applies pressure. Yes. It's a light into our path. It applies pressure to us. It requires change. It's dangerous to hear the word of God because you're responsible for what you know. Right. To, who, to him who has received much, much is required. Yeah. What is sin? It's not obeying what you know to be true, to know, to, to, to know the truth and not do it. So we've got to open up our lives and allow God to adjust us so that we can be in the place of safety. How does it happen? Very quickly this morning. Number one, the process of blessing in our life, it comes through, number one, alignment. Yeah. Someone say alignment. alignment. We talked a little bit about that. Paul, uh, Luke says in Luke 7, verse 7, he says, that is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he does. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, here's talking about the centurion. We don't have time to look at the whole story. But the centurion understood the kingdom of that day. Yeah. He understood order. He understood authority. So Jesus says, hey, your servant's sick. I'll go to your house because normally Jesus would lay hands on people and they'd recover. And he says, no, I don't need you to do that because I understand how the kingdom works. I understand how alignment, authority works. And if you have authority, you speak. Just as my officer speaks to me, it filters down. If I speak, it will begin to come to pass. So only speak the word and I know it will happen. And Jesus marveled at his man, that man's faith. We got to understand the kingdom of God. When things are in alignment and in order, I mean, you look at soldiers, they learn to walk in alignment. You know, why do they practice all that stuff with their swords and all, you know, I think my father passed away and they did the, the salute, you know, the gun salute, all that. I mean, it was amazing what they did and they folded the flag and everybody's like, it's like, like machines, like robots. But they've learned to function as a unit. They've learned how something functions. When the general says something, the, the, the colonel says something. The sergeant gives the orders, and the private say, "Yes, sir," and we go and do it. Yes. I get no amens on that, because yes. in our our American culture, we don't like that kingdom. We like democracy. So I'm not really sure. Let's vote on that. Let's have a committee meeting. Let's. But guess what? When you're in the military, Chris doesn't say, "Let's vote." They're like, you're going to, he went to the Philippines recently. You're going to the Philippines like, well, I thought I didn't have to travel anymore. I'm sorry you're going for two months. Get on this when you're leaving. Tell your wife. Kiss your kids goodbye. You better be there. And he says, yes, sir. Are you here? But we don't like, but that's how the kingdom functions. Why? Because everything's in order. Because if we're out of alignment, things don't function. So we've got to be in alignment. What do we need to be in alignment? Be in alignment to the house of God. Again, the church is the ark. The Bible talks about being planted in the house of God. In James 4, verse 7, he says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We've got to submit. Align ourselves to God. Some Christians are more devil conscious than they are God conscious. I mean, it used to bother me. I grew up all the devil's town. Ta- oh, the devil's attacking me today. He broke my refrigerator and the devil's attacking me. And I'm like, why is the devil attacking this person so much? They're not really doing much for God. Come on. But the, devil, but the devil is not God. He can't be everywhere at once. But, but there's demons. That, but, but what is it? It's really not the devil. It's their life is out of order. Their life is out of alignment. And it's much easier to blame the bad guy than to take responsibility for our own lives. Come on. Can we be real this morning? <laughs> Psalms 23 verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy... Will follow me all the days of my life, not just when we get to heaven. But I have to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does it mean, dwell? It means you're doing life daily with God, with God's people. Are you here? And so we've got to be in line, and violent alignment has to do with being planted in the community. There's 200, and I think, 58 or 55 commandments in the New Testament you cannot fulfill out of the local church. But we have people, who's your pastor? Jesus. What church do you belong to? The Worldwide Body of Christ. Or I send this church on one week, and this church on week two of the month, and this church on week three. And then, but you're all over the place. You're not planted anywhere. And no wonder you're not flourishing. And we sit somewhere for a while, and then when we, things aren't happening, well, it must be the church. It must be the pastor. And then we go somewhere else, and we go through the whole process again. But the common denominator in every church and every situation is us. Are you here? Yeah. We got to be in alignment. Someone say alignment. alignment. Secondly, alignment speaks of being submitted to godly authority. Yeah. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as though they must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would not benefit to you. What does it say? Have confidence in the leaders God has put over you. Are leaders perfect? Of course they're not. Are, are there bad leaders? Yes, they're bad leaders. Just like there's good doctors and bad doctors, there's good police and bad police, there's good, you know, but, but still the ideology and the plan and the purpose of God is not bad. And so submission has to come from the person. It doesn't come from the person you're supposed to submit to or becomes control. We've got to be submitted, just like the Bible says. Thirdly, we've got to be in order in our marriage. Submit to your husband in the marriage. Colossians 3 verse 18 says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. So if you're in a marriage, you need to submit to your husband as the leader of your house. I said, you need to submit to your husband as the leader of your house. But my wife is the one who submits. I don't come to my wife, woman, you better submit. The Bible says, then I become controlling. That's between her to submit. The person that's called to submit has to make the choice to submit are you here? But, but the other side of it is the man has to treat the woman like Christ loves the church and treats the church. Is Jesus coming around messing with you all the time? You better submit or I'm going to not take you out. You better submit or I'm going to curse you. He doesn't operate that way. So as men, we shouldn't operate that way. But it's the woman's role to submit. Submission comes from the person who sees the value and the blessing in submission. If you don't want to submit, that's between you and God. I ain't chasing you down. People say, well, pastor ain't, pastor's not reaching out to me. No, because you're not submitted. Because you're, 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 you're not pressing in. Who do I give my time to? Those that press in. Are you here? Now, we're still going to love you. We're going to care for you. We're going to feed you. But you're not going to have the full blessing if you haven't submitted In the relationship God's called you to, whether it's a marriage, a business, in the family, kids need to submit to their parents and honor their parents. Are your parents perfect? No, I tell my kids, we're practicing parenting on you. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully we get a little better at it. Are you here? So give us a break. When we're wrong, we say sorry. Forgive us. Because we make mistakes. Sometimes we didn't understand. Sometimes we acted too strong. Sometimes we... Are you here? We'll be much better grandparents than we were parents. We've got to be submitted to human authority. First Peter 2 verse 13 says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or all those in authority. Guess what? If you get pulled over by a policeman because you got a heavy foot, don't get upset with a police officer. Thank you, sir. Yes. Talk to him. Respect Thanks for respect, and, and sometimes because you respond that way, they may give you a chance. But don't get upset. Well, I wasn't going and how do you know and all this stuff. Like, you know you were speeding. That's why your heart dropped and you hit that brake when you saw those lights. Submit to the authority. If you're not doing right, submit to your teacher. Submit. submit to our president. Well, I don't like who's president. It no not matter who's president. We submit to the authority. The, the position, yes. the office. Now, submission doesn't mean obedience. Submission is honor. Are you here? I was talking to somebody yesterday. They're like, oh man, you saw he fell over again and they were laughing. They're like, when I started laughing, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I don't think that's funny. To me, it's sad. Come on, some people around him, if he's really what they think that he is, somebody needs to help the man. Come, Your wife, if if I'm up here talking nonsense, my wife loves me enough to say, babe, sit down and let someone else preach. If I'm losing my mind, are you here? If if I can't communicate, come on. I want to be remembered when I knew what I was doing, not when I'm losing it. Are you here? But the love, I mean, that, but I have compassion on that. And I'm not here to, we don't know, but I respect the office. I respect the position. I respect the, the, the government. All politicians. You know, someone said all politicians are bad. You put them in a barrel, you get a bad one every time. You know? No. There are some good people. There are that. What we don't always know, it's, it's much easier to be on the sideline and telling the football player how to play. Right. But you're not out there running towards a 350-pound refrigerator. You're not the one, you don't know, you're not out there, and you're out there, come on, what's wrong with you? Oh my God, you're getting mad. Why don't you put some pads on and go out there and get taken out in one play? <laughs> Are you here? You know, and so, so we, need to, we need to understand that, but we respect the office, we honor. Do I do everything my parents tell me to do? No, I'm a 51-year-old 50, man. I don't have to obey everything and do it because they might not have the knowledge that I have at this point, I'm a grown man, but... I honor them in my attitude. I have a submissive attitude, but I obey God. What does the Bible say? Is it better to obey man or obey God? Ultimately, we submit to God, but I'm going to honor man. I'm not going to rebuke an elder. So that's not my job to try to do. I'm in California, not in Washington, D.C., but I'm going to vote. I'm going to take care of my place. Are you here? I'm not here to tell Tennessee how to run and pastors how to do their job there. That's not where God called me. You called me here. Are you here? We need to get that. But sometimes we we can be critical of everything. We want to act, and in our attitude, we failed, and we're not submitting. We've got to have proper alignment in our life. When we're aligned in our attitude, we're aligned in our relationship, we're aligned to the Word of God, what happens? Number two, there's order. Someone say order. Order. When you're aligned correctly, you automatically bring order in your life. The car's not shaking so much. You have a better, get, get better gas mileage, your tires aren't wearing out, you're not in a crisis mode because it's functioning the way that the person who made the car aligned it to function. Right. When we're in line with God, we're in line with His word, we're aligned with authority, we're aligned with His plan and the pattern of the word of God. Order comes into our lives. <laughs> Psalm 73, uh, excuse me, Psalms 37, verse 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly and he delights in every detail of their life. Someone say every every detail. Man plans his ways, but God directs our path. But God is concerned with the details. What's the details? Order. And so when it comes to marriage, God wants to be involved in our marriage. When it comes to our work, God wants to be involved in our work. When it comes to the, the church and functioning in the church, God is involved. You don't get to choose, well, I just want to lead worship. Well, God ain't gifted you to lead worship. In the kingdom of God, it's not whoever wants, it's the grace and the anointing of God. You know, during the 90s, everybody wants to be a prophet. Prophetic movement's coming on, and I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet. Just because you prophesy doesn't mean you're a prophet. We can all prophesy. The Bible says, desire that you may prophesy. And thank God, I'm a prophet. So you, and you're not recognized that so you're doing parking lot prophecies. <laughs> Outside of the order. It caused a lot of problems where many churches were, no more prophecy. That's right. That's right. But you can't throw the baby out with a bad water. We need to teach people and give some boundaries here. That's why people come to church sometimes they start wanting to lay hands on people. And like, you just met, the usher just sat you. And you always want to lay hands on the girls you got always got a word for the women. And, you know, sometimes they're young. But what would we do? We have to have a little talk with you and pull you aside and say, hey, you know, we just met. <laughs> come on. You don't get to put your hands on someone when you just met. Right. And we need you to come and get planted. If there's a genuine gift, submit it. And there'll be an opportunity to flow in the gift. And, and sadly... They don't come back the next week. Oh, you're not open to the Holy Spirit. We're open to the Holy Spirit. But what does the Bible say? Paul said, let everything be done in Corinthians in decency and order. I love you, but you don't get to rearrange the furniture when I invited you over for dinner. You come to my house and what am I, you know, can I go to the bathroom? And I'm like, all right. And I come back in. What happened to my kitchen? Well, I thought this would be better here. And I thought this will be here. And it's like, whoa, are you here? Some things are so simple we miss it. Come on. God is concerned with the details. Hebrews 6 verse 1, it says, So let us go on to grown up teaching. Let us not go back over the beginning lessons we learned about Christ. We should not again start teaching about faith in God and about turning away from those acts that lead to death. Now some churches will get upset with that because guess what? That's all they preach every week. But what happens if we don't train people, and I said this earlier, we just kept getting people saved every week. How many of you are a sinner and you need Jesus? All of us pray this prayer. Come to the altar. And guess what? You got so many newcomers cards, you know, decision cards, and, and that's all you do is stay in that place. But when you get saved, that is the beginning. What are we, not what we saved from, but what are we saved for? God doesn't want us to stay in that place. He wants us to learn to have victory in our lives. So Paul goes on. He says, let's not just stay in, in, in kindergarten. Let's not just learn one plus one equals two. One, you know, two minus one equals one. Let's move on beyond that. And he goes on and he says in verse four, he says, some people cannot be brought back again to a changed life. They were once in God's light and they enjoyed heaven's gift and they shared in the Holy Spirit. They found out how good God's word is, and they received the powers of this new world. But they fell away from Christ. It is impossible to bring them back to a changed life again because they're nailing the Son of God to a cross again and are shaming him in front of others. Whoa. He's talking to Christians. What is he saying? Guys, get out of the basics of just being saved and always struggling with sin, Do we need time to overcome? Do we need time to have victory? Yes, but you are no longer under the power of sin. Jesus said you're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. The the curse of sin and death is broken over us. Greater is he who lives in us than he's in the world. So we should not be living in that place of defeat and sin. If we are, what are we doing? We're shaming the work of what Jesus did on the cross. And thank God for his grace that we're a work in progress, but we're supposed to be going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We shouldn't be struggling with the same things and not having victory. Something's out of alignment. Somewhere the order is off. And what does he say? If by our own choice we decide to do that after we've fallen under the power, we've experienced deliverance, and we want to pick our demons up on the way home, we don't want to apply the word of God. We don't want that we come to a place where we taste in the goodness of God. We will eventually fall away and that person cannot come back because what more is there? They've already experienced the fullness of God. Yeah. Not that God wouldn't bring them back, but because of their stubbornness, because of their rebellion, because of they've chosen not to make Jesus Lord of their lives, what happens? They have no fruit in their life and they've shamed the cross. Don't get upset with me. Is this the Bible? This is the word. It goes on in verse seven. Again, he's talking to Christians. He says, "Some people are like land that gets plenty of rain. The land produces a good crop for those who, what, work it. And it receives God's blessings. Other people are like the land that grows thorn and weeds, and it's worthless. It's about to be cursed by God and will be destroyed by the fire. Jesus says the wheat and the tares grow together. They all get the same rain. But one produces fruit, one doesn't. What causes it to produce fruit? Is it God or is it its nature? And what's really the key here? It says both lands get water, they get rain. One produces a good crop, why? Because they work it. Turn your neighbor and say, you got to work it. You got to work it. What does that mean? Faith without works is dead. The the little word means non-existent. You can't say you trust God with finances and you don't give. You can't say you love Jesus, but you don't want to serve. You can't say you love Jesus, but you don't love the church. You can't say you love Jesus and you don't treat your wife as a gift from God and honor her knowing you're going to face the Lord one day. You can't be a leader and not have the fear of God and use and abuse people because you have to give an account. We're living life with eternity in our heart. But we've got to work the land, or it doesn't happen. So what happened? The, the same message comes forth, the same move of the Holy Spirit, the same water comes, but some people are flourishing and fruitful, some aren't. Yeah. It's not the rain, it's not God, it's, not, it's that we have to begin to work our own field, yeah. our own life. We've had a lot of rain. I was away for a few weeks and I came back, some of our uh, gardening, our, our landscaping stuff is, is yellow. Why? Had too much water. But guess what? When I realized when the water's there, the plant grows, but so do the weeds. Yeah. And guess what? I Just because I had a landscaper, and he's a good, and I got a gardener, you still got to pick the weeds out. Because if you don't pick the weeds out, the weeds will grow and eventually overtake the fruitful plants. So we got to pick the weeds out. Same in our life. You got to pick out the weeds. Things are coming. Things are growing. If not, the weeds choke out the healthy fruit, and it doesn't bear fruit. What does Jesus say? The Word was sown, and he talks about the different ground, the stony ground, the fallow ground. The, the, what ground? We have to determine how we receive the Word. Yes. We're responsible for our own heart. Nobody can change your heart. God can't even change your heart if you're not willing to open your heart. And so when we do that, what happens? When we change our ground, what happens? We will flourish. We will grow. We will flourish. And so that order has to come in. You got to keep the weeds out. What's the weeds? Your attitude. Someone said, well, bless God. What are you going to do with that? Well, that usher didn't seat me. I like to sit on the right side of the church and he put me on the left. And I don't sense the presence of God today. Why? Because your attitude. Come on. And God will, we've had people leave church because of an usher and we want to train our ushers, and, but they're imperfect people. But if you're going to leave church and get out of your destiny and get offended because of where you sit, God help us. Yeah. Are you here? We got to deal with that. And God will allow stuff to happen to deal with our attitude. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit's working. What is God wanting to work into us? Three things. He's wanting to develop three things in the midst of the journey. Firstly, Character. What is character? Christ likeness. He's wanting to make you more like Jesus. That's the whole point of being a Christian, right? <laughs> Secondly, he's wanted to bring charisma into us. What is charisma? That when the Bible says you receive the gifts, it's actually the word charisma. It's the working of the Holy Spirit, where it's not our might, it's not by our power. God's working with us. We still gotta work. We don't sit home in our pajamas and just expect God to win the world. Are you here? But he's working in us. He's working through us. How is he working in us? Bringing peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control, meekness. Against such there's no, lie, uh, no, no law. Kindness. That's what you need in your marriage. That's what you need in your workplace. That's what we need in our church. But that's the process of God. He's working in our character to make us like Christ. He's beginning to cause the work of the Holy Spirit to come out of us. And what? He's birthing, calling in us that we're living life for the purpose of God. We're fulfilling the destiny in our life. So we've got to come into alignment. When there's alignment and we know we're out of alignment, how do we come into alignment? Bring things into order. And then what happens? Thirdly, can you take two more? The anointing flows. When we're in alignment, when things are in order, there's an anointing that flows. There's an anointing for truth. First John 2 verse 20 says, The Holy Spirit has been given to you that you would know the truth. How do we get our nation back on track? we got to speak the truth in love. Yeah. Yeah. Are you here? Not condemningly, but this is the truth. I don't believe that. we got to speak the truth to our children. we got to be a church that speaks the truth. Because... We know the truth, and the truth will set us free. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings truth. If there's no truth, and there's deception, and there's error, you'll never have the moving of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2, verse 27 says, But the anointing... Again, he brings it further, talking about the Holy Spirit, the anointing which you have received from him, and abides in you. You don't need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. So what does he say? The secret to the anointing is what abiding in God, abiding in his truth. And guess what? You have a conscience. You begin to know the flow of God. Yeah. How many of you? You know, when there was a red light, you got into trouble because you pushed the gas and went through the red light. It's happened to all of us. I knew I shouldn't have done it. I knew God was telling me, but I overrode that. Sometimes it's like a yellow light. God's saying, be cautious, warning, warning, something's not right here, and we don't listen. We listen to the voice of everything else, and we got into trouble in our investment. We got into trouble in our relationship. We got in trouble in the church. And then, of course, there's the green light. Let's go. Everything's great. Let's get it. But we've got to learn to do that. And what happens? Then you know truth because you're led by the Spirit. You don't need to have all the facts or anyone to teach you because you're learning to be walked with the Holy Spirit and know something's not right. Red light, green light, yellow light. And there's an anointing that flows. Anointing flows through lordship. The Bible says in Luke 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because what? He's anointing me. Someone say, He's anointing me. He's anointed. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, there's a flow. There's an anointing that's there. What does He anoint us to do? To preach the gospel to the poor. He sent us to heal the brokenhearted. He sent us to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. Jesus, everything He did was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? He set the pattern for us. And we've got to invite the Holy Spirit and allow him to be Lord. What does that mean? He's our senior partner in our business. He's the Lord of the church. He's the Lord in our marriage. He's the Lord in our parenting. He's the Lord in our finances. And what do we do? We allow the Holy Spirit to lead us according to the word. The word and the spirit agree. And guess what? There's an anointing. What's the anointing? Oil. If our life's out of alignment, if our life's out of order, there's no oil. What happens to your car when there's no oil? Breaks down. It overheats. I'm feeling burnout. I'm feeling dry. Why? No anointing. Yeah. What's out of alignment? What's out of order? If you put that in, what will happen? Anointing will flow. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek what? First. That means in priority. What does that mean? I'm not here to dictate your life. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. But the Word gives us guidelines, but it's seeking the kingdom of God, seeking the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. Are you here? And so I was in Brazil. Why? Not because I just want to go to Brazil, but I felt this is the timing of God. I got a lot going on. Busy with church, busy with other things. But when God's, there's an anointing and a flow, let's do it. And God takes care of everything else. So when we have the anointing, what happens? Number four, blessing flows. That's the order of God. When you're in alignment, when you have order, when there's anointing, guess what? Blessing flows. Some people we get upset. Why is someone else even being blessed and not me? Because your life's out of order. Because you're not aligned. Are you here? There's not the anointing. you got to get in order, and blessing will flow. Isaiah 1 verse 19 says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. We all want to eat the good of the land. I'm blessing my coming, blessing my going. Well, why aren't you having the fruit? we got to get into order. Psalms 133 verse 13 says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured over the head, running down on the beard, running down on the Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows blessing, even life forevermore. So what happens when we're in those places? What happens? There's a flow. I don't know, there's something about when you read that, it just gives you peace, you know? Oil just flowing down. You don't even have to do anything. It's like gravity, it flows down from God, it flows down through my life, and flows into every area of our life. You don't have to work at it, just pour the oil, get into play, and it's part of the byproducts of being in order. Are you here? We've got to pour our oil in, we've got to bring ourselves into alignment. Come on, let's stand on our feet this morning. What area of our life are we not aligned? Today is not a bad message. It's not a negative message. It's not a condemnation It's like something. I, my car was driving. I'm like, what's going on? I'm putting the tires, spending all this extra money. What's going on? And then finally, you need an alignment. My tires don't need to be balanced. My, I'm out of alignment. And guess what? It saved me heartache. It saved me money. It was easier driving because my car's not shaking. God's not trying to take from us. He's not trying to make things more difficult. He's trying to bring order into our lives. So that there's an anointing that flows. There's an anointing that flows in our ministry. There's an anointing that flows in our family. There's an anointing that flows in our marriage. There's an anointing, you know, but there's got to be order. I'm busy, so what do we do? September. My wife and I, we take off every year. And now, I think we're getting a bit old. We go on a cruise. Because nobody can call me on the cruise. There's no signal. I heard now they're going to have signal, but please don't call me. All right. And what do we do? We meet on the... 25th floor the 14th floor that's our place we meet and we get up and what do we do we have time together and we talk and we brainstorm and we do stuff that's our time i was invited to big conferences come we're having our big conference we want you to speak pray i said that's my cruise i ain't coming why it's a priority because what you got to keep dating your wife you got to keep having your honeymoon don't have a honeymoon once every 20 years no wonder your marriage is having problems Date your wife. Go out. Do stuff. You know, don't take a lot of money sometimes, but plan. Have faith for it. God will bless you. The first thing I put in my calendar is my cruise. Well, are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Yes, because I'm first a dad, a, a, a husband, second a dad, a father. Are you? That's priority. My, some pastors got great ministry, healing the sick on their third marriage. Family's a mess. Kids want nothing to do with God. Why you're not your life's not aligned? Your life's gotta be in order. Come on, I want to end well. My kids are all loving God, serving God. They're not perfect kids. Don't make them the typical PK and well, you're a pastor's kid. No, no, no. They're kids, they're grown, but they love God. They're in the house of God. They're, they're learning values, they're doing well, they're exceeding in school. That's a testimony more than me just pulling someone out of a wheelchair. Are you here? Why? Because I'm first a son, I'm first a believer. When I read this, sometimes I have to read and the Bible. Says the Holy Spirit. Says, no, 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 quit preparing a message. This is for you too. And now most of my men, it's God's dealing with my life. You just get the overflow. Are you here? But but what? This is for me. I'm not just. It's not something I do. The word is for me. I lay it up in my heart. I allow the word. The word makes me help. And get out of that, I can have the overflow and share with you. What areas is God speaking to us this morning that things are out of alignment? Don't be—it's not so difficult. Sometimes it's just a little adjustment. I—I I, I was preaching this morning, and uh, uh, this this morning Tim Jr. is not here. Yvonne's here, and their son was sick, and so he wrote me, and I'll just tell you this. He said, "What, what a great message." He said, "You talked about alignment. It reminds me—he's a welder." He said, "I I work in welding fabrication, and we would build ninety-plus foot-long columns." And if we fit up something even a half a degree off, even a few inches out of alignment, it looks completely fine. It looks in line. But when you get down to the end of the 90 plus feet, you're off, you're misaligned more than just a few inches, but a few feet. I thought, wow, I'm going to pinch that example. That's a good example. Because we can look straight. But guess what? When you're off, you can start out heading for Europe in your ship. In your yacht, but if you get off a little bit, you'll end up in, in Africa. It doesn't take a lot. We've got to be in alignment. And God, as we're coming, we need to be aligned to the, the Word of God. We need to align to the Spirit of God so an order can come, blessing come. And that's what the world's looking for. Everybody's got all these crazy ideas, but it doesn't work. Communism doesn't work. Socialism doesn't work. All these things don't work. I've been around the world, I've seen it. But we all have all these ideas. But when you have something that's healthy, you have something that's where People are attracted. What's the greatest thing that attracts people to our church? Healthy people. When people come, the Bible says, look at the love that they have for one another. They'll know your mind itself because the love you have for one another. Well, we're prospering in our marriages. We're, pro- we're friendly people. We're not just doing the latest thing, how to grow your church. I saw I got one email, you know, it's called church candy. Dot com and I thought what in the world so I checked it out how to have candy to attract people to your church you know and by your programs and all you're doing it's like candy to get, I'm thinking like and there's nothing wrong with some of those things you know let's be excellence let's have you know but like it ain't it ain't the world's candy that's gonna attract people it's the presence of God. It's healthy people. It's people growing. Where well, we're living testimonies. Come on, what's going to attract people at work? Not you just preaching the scriptures and beating people over the head with the Bible. But you're healthy. Your attitude. You're prospering. You're getting promoted. You, you know, you're not. You're, you're, you're stress comes, but, but it's like the you know, water off a duck's back. Because you know how to present to God. And, and it brings out the beauty in you. That's what people are attracted to. That's what the world doesn't have. But that's what god has come to us amen come on let's open our mouth let's just be in a talk to god right now what area is god speaking to you what areas there need to be in alignment maybe things are out of alignment because there's been hurt maybe things are alignment because you didn't have the understanding maybe things are aligned because you had some ungodly beliefs that you need to shift come on let's let's lay those things down and allow god to bring alignment allow god to bring order in alignment so that the anointing can flow this morning so that blessing can flow in our lives. We honor you, Jesus. We put you first in our life. We say, God, God, transform us, change us, mold us, make us, God. I want you to touch your head. I want you to say, Anoint my mind, God, that I can receive your wisdom. I want to touch your eyes this morning. Say, Anoint my eyes. That i might see the vision clearly and i'll know my part in it come on, put your hand on your ears this morning say god anoint my ears that i can hear your voice and follow it touch your mouth say god anoint my words that i might speak life into this church into my family into my community just hold out your hands this morning say god Anoint my hands that I might build your kingdom as you anointed Jesus. Anoint me today to see the supernatural in my life, in my church, in my family, in my community. Come on, lift up your hands. Just begin to talk to the Lord. God, we thank you for our eyes opening today, ears opening today. We thank you for our hearts, God, coming into alignment. Thank God, blessing. Would flow in our life, anointing would flow. God, those that are discouraged, God, let discouragement lift off of them. Those that are weary, they're feeling worn out, God, today bring encouragement. God, those that are hitting walls in their lives, God, you begin to open up a door, you begin to open up a window, you begin to show them, God, the right alignment. That we lift up our eyes and we would look to you, because Jesus, you're the author. Jesus, you're the finisher of our faith, God. We declare alignment is coming in our church. Alignment is coming in families. Alignment is coming in singles. Alignment is coming in business. We declare blessing is flowing upon your church. That we are in you, Jesus. We are in the art. We are in your church. We are in family, and God, we will be protected from the storms of life that come. That God, we will prosper. That we will. That, God, we will begin to fulfill your will. That your kingdom will come. Your will will be done. God, as we put you first in our life, all the things we have need of will be added to us. God, I declare blessing begin to flow in your people's lives, God. As order comes, let blessing come. Blessing over finances. We declare promotions coming, God. We declare blessing over marriages. Blessing in our relationship with our children. We declare blessing in our connect groups. every ministry, blessing in our children's church, God, blessing in our outreach and city care, blessing in our community, we declare blessing over California, we declare blessing over this nation, that God, we will align to you, that order will begin to come, that God, blessing, anointing will begin to flow over this nation once again. We look to you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you for refreshing we thank you for your strength we thank you for revelation coming today not to condemn us but to show us God even if there's just a a slight alignment that's to come tonight we align our hearts we align our minds